Welcome to Fires on the Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan Jones, and customarily to my right is Roy. On your right, as usual. On As usual. Sometimes we have mixed it up in the past where you've been on my left, you've been in front of me, uh, you never... You've never been to... Yeah, I'm not going to say well, that. But but this time, we're mixing it up with new equipment. We are mixing it up with Santa new equipment. Santa Claus was very good to you this year. He was very good to me. Uh, the beautiful thing about when you're married and at our age, uh, we just like, what do you want? This is what I want. And I asked for a, a podcast quit, uh, a little kit, which came with a little mixer and a couple of headphones and a couple of mics um, that we are going to try out with our interview with Gabe Moser coming up here. Yeah, let's cross our fingers and uh, hope for no technical difficulties. Yeah, well, don't be surprised if there are some technical difficulties. This is a amateur podcast, but we do the best we can with what we got. That's so, right, and we do our prep. We don't just press record. No, we don't, and I got tons of prep here, but it does. It should sound a little bit better. It shouldn't sound so tinny, uh, and it makes us feel like we know what we're doing. But today, the second day of the year. Oh, today's a, today's a good day. It is a very good day. It's actually Padre's Christmas. I want to call it Padre's Christmas because our uh, Lord and Savior, Fernando Tatis, turns 20 years old today. Happy birthday, Mr. Tatis. <laughs> it's, he's 20. This, this 20. came up, somebody was, and uh, I thought he was already 20. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, no, he doesn't even turn 20 until next year. Yeah. So, it, it's, and now it just, it kind of puts it into perspective a little bit more that what he just did in double A is ridiculous. What he did last year in single A was ridiculous. Yeah. And he's crushing it now in the uh, in the Dominican. He absolutely is. And, uh, he, and so in the Dominican playoffs, this came from Bill Center uh, on the Friar Wire. He has hit safely in every game, in all seven games of the Dominican playoffs. He is 8 for 26, 308, with a double, two homers, three walks, six RBIs, and five runs scored. He has a 379 on base percentage and a 577 slugging and a 956 OPS. And that's just the playoffs. And he also has seven stolen bases on the season. Yeah. Which is as much as any minor leaguer, any Padres minor leaguer that's playing in the winter leagues. Yeah. And uh, so for the season, for the season, he hit 263, 379, 488 with an 866. But that also includes a rough first month, and it kind of yeah. tailed off in the end. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing about Fernando, and, and we're going to have to get used to maybe that when he goes back to start playing ball again, that it takes him a little bit to get to get his feet underneath him. Well, and also it was cold, and he was in Fort Wayne to start the season. Wait, no, I, he was in right. He, but still, it was a cold. It was a cold first month, and everybody was struggling with that. Right. He wasn't in Fort Wayne. He was in San Antonio the whole year, right? Now I'm drawing a blank. Now we're drawing a blank. This. God, we don't do enough prep. You know the prep. Um, <laughs> no, he got moved up halfway through the season. Yeah, oh, that's right. He skipped Lake Elsinore. We were all mad. Yeah. Uh, but two, no, the 263, 379, that's from the, his Dominican uh, regular season. Oh, gotcha. Numbers. Did, so, total segue or total uh, whatever divergence. What they do in the postseason in these winter leagues is interesting. Yeah. And it, it's something that could never work in the major leagues. At the end of the regular season, they host a draft. And the teams that make the playoffs get to select players from the teams that didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. And they just had that draft, I think, it was today. Could you imagine that, though, that the, the Red Sox, oh, we're going to take, oh, hey, Jake DeGrom, <laughs> come join us for the next couple of weeks. We need, we need another starting pitcher. Right. Well, Mike Trout, you know, go play for the Indians. <laughs> so I think what that would be like, 
what if you're the pitcher that's already on the squad? And you're like, uh, what happened? I got you guys here. Now you're taking some other dude. That's not cool. Hey, you you want to win? Just win, baby. Yeah, I guess if you want to play, play better. Yep. Um, but we totally digress. And some of the banter that I wanted to talk about was uh, Roy got married here in San Diego. I know several a couple months ago you got married in Hawaii for realsies. We did. Yeah, for realsies. That was the the like official paperwork, and it was the two of us. But we wanted to have a ceremony with friends and family to bring the families together and all of that and have the party. Yeah. So we can all celebrate. And boy, did we party. It was an absolute baseball wedding. Fantastic. You guys, the, uh, the, the, so, so the centerpieces were uh, three, like three cylindrical uh, glass things. One had peanuts in it and baseballs. The other had red vines. And the third one had bubble gum. And the third one had double bubble. And all credit has to go to my lovely wife, Angela. And she is... She's standing there nodding at us and giving oh. the thumbs up. And she made the programs. She made the invitations. She made the little stick, the little decal round thing that was on the centerpieces. She made all of that. And it was fantastic. Yeah. Um, it was truly a baseball wedding. So the little the little card that you got for the agenda looked like... Uh, it actually looked like the little card you get at the ball field for, like, food. Okay. Like up here is this and that. Down here is that and that. Uh-huh. As Angela pats herself on the back. It was phenomenal. So they're, they're, um, every table had one of those centerpieces. Um, it was officiated by Alicia Gwynn. Yes. Which was another baseball coup. Um, well, and I, so that traces back to my sister because Alicia performed my sister's wedding 11 years ago. Hmm. Um, and so we found Alicia. We we volunteered at the Tony Gwynn 5.5K okay. that Alesmith sponsors. All right. So we're you know we're patrons at Alesmith. We hosted the wedding at Alesmith. Um, but we went out there. We knew that Alicia was going to be there. We went up and talked to her. And before we could even get the question out of our mouth, she said absolutely she would do it. And she remembers my sister, and all of that. So I, so and then so she officiated that. And I was like, I just want to get through that because I have a really good story. I have an Alicia Gwynn story. Oh, my, uh, my brother, my brother used to do audiovisual at the Hyatt downtown at the Manchester Grand Hyatt downtown. And back in the day, they used to have the Hall of Champions dinner there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so my brother had that rare poster of Tony Gwynn in the studio beach setting with the sandy thing. And he has shorts on. He has like a, a like a Hawaiian shirt on. He has a ball and a glove and a hat. And uh, it doesn't look nothing like baseball, but it's a Tony Gwynn poster. Okay. So he brought it. He snuck it in through work. Showed it to Tony, and Tony goes, man, nah, I'm not going to sign that. No way. <laughs> and my brother was just, I mean, just dejected. He could have gotten in trouble for, for just asking. Yeah. Um, put it, rolled it back up, put it in his little cart, wheeled it over to Alicia. And I told Alicia this story. She said, I remember this. Uh, and she, and my brother you know, showed her the poster, and she goes, oh, my God, he has the best legs. And she looks over, <laughs> my brother said, she looked over and goes, Tony just screams out Tony and you look over and Tony's like signing autographs these balls that were handed out at the at the dinner and uh, you know he, he kind of seemed like sorry guys like the wife calls you know that kind of like look where I gotta go and uh came over it and signed the poster for my brother and uh that I just I couldn't wait to get you through your wedding just to tell that story that's a good one <laughs> it's a fantastic story you know when she remembered it and um you know, she's just, a, you know, she's Tony Gwynn's wife. So um, she's the closest thing that we had to Tony. So I thought that was fantastic. So then you go to, um, you go to their, what at the head table? Yeah. The head table had uh, 
six baseballs, uh, two bats. One signed by Buddy Reed, and the other was signed by Kelvin Melion. Kelvin Melion, which I was surprised to not get the Tirso Ornelas bat that I think you got. Well, it's not autographed. It's, ah. just, it's, it's a game used. It's broken bat. It's still game used. It says Tirso. Yeah, yeah. It's it's stamped with his name. He has it right here. You can't yeah. you can't see it on the podcast, but it's but uh, but those two since they're shiny black, brand new, clean bats. Right. Those are the ones that we decided to use. We got those at a storm social media night. And it wasn't, I mean, it's just, they put it up on Twitter like, hey, who wants to participate? And I think anybody who responded got a chance to. And um, you beat Angela with the answer to that. Bye. Oh, no, that's for the Tirso bat. Anyways, so <laughs> so then we, then we go to the reception area, and then everyone's doing their thing. And Angela had a surprise for Roy and had the friar show up. Yeah, the friar and uh, one of the young ladies from the pod squad. Um, I'm sorry, what, what was her name again? Alyssa. Alyssa, yes. So thank you, Alyssa, and to the Friar for coming out and joining us. They led us in a conga line around the the venue. It was, it was, it was a good to time. To YMCA, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> um, and all through this, I'm kind of seething with resentment, going like, God, they're just killing it. Every turn, every, every like... Oh my God! Yeah, Angela, killed, Angela it. killed it with with a baseball wedding. But I digress. I, I just wanted to just you guys. It was a fantastic wedding. If you follow either one of these guys on Twitter or social media, you saw the photographs. Uh, if you follow me, you see a couple of the pictures. Um, it well, was just and the, the reason that we did that was oh, because the cake. oh, that's right, the cake. The cake was. We met through Twitter. We yeah. we met each other that way, and so and the Padres are what brought us together. So that's why. We wanted to make the the wedding such an over the top Padres baseball thing, and it and it you knocked it out of the park. It just kind of threw up everywhere. Yeah. Yep. Navy blue and orange. Navy blue and orange all over the place. But I digress, and I'm eating while we do this. So we've got leftover red vines here. <laughs> so if you hear a little munching going on, <laughs> we're uh, we're working our way through the red vines. So to get back to Bill Centers and the Fryer Wire. Uh, some of the numbers from some of the other players was Francis Cordero has gone seven for 25, hitting 280 with two doubles, two triples, uh, three walks, two RBIs, and three runs scored for Escondido in the Dominican uh, in the playoffs. Uh, he has a 357 on base, uh, 520 slugging, and an 877 OPS. He finished the regular season uh, with a 232 average and a 705 OPS. That's fine. He doesn't, you know, and, and there's. Yeah, no- but, but last year he won the MVP. Yeah, because he absolutely dominated. So he he didn't do nearly as well this year as he did last year. I Fran Mill Reyes was well on his way to get the MVP before he hurt his knee. His knee posted a one point one nine nine OPS. It was crazy. Yeah, he was just hitting balls out of the ballpark with, with not even trying. Well, and and let's talk about that for a minute. Um, how important are these stats? How important do you think they are? What I do don't. You, you can't really put a whole lot of of weight into them. Because we don't know who's pitching. It could be a former major leaguer, right. or it could be a nobody, right. you know, a relative nobody that, that um, you know, isn't an MLB caliber pitcher. Right. So you can't really judge by the stat lines is what they're doing. Um, I try to pay attention a little more to the walk and the strikeout rates. Right. Because that tells you a little bit more about their pitch recognition, their discipline. Um, but as far as batting average, getting on base, I, I, I don't know if you can really – put a lot of weight on it it's kind of like looking at low minors stuff yeah yeah you can't really we're not necessarily statting the uh statting the the hitting line but uh it's in my thinking it's kind of the same thing you if you saw some of those home runs that tattoos hit on on twitter oh my they were God. well they were center cut 
They were center they cut. Were center, but, oh my god! Fl- watching him just obliterate a pitch and stand there and watch it and give the bat a little flip, take five steps and start to jog. Oh my god! I I know there there are people out there like oh he's gonna wear one in his ribs, but. I love the swagger that this kid's 19 yeah. stepping up there and doing that and putting on a show. And I think he can do that in the Dominican. I don't think he'll do that in the major leagues. He's not going to hit no. like a second home run. is not going to be like, oh, let's just toss the bat and watch it. No, it's set and setting. But down right. there, the environment going on in the stands, Absolutely. it's a party down there. Absolutely. And the guys, like every home run, the, the bench is empty. The guys come yeah. flying out to, to congratulate him. It's a show. Yeah. I'd love to go down there sometime and watch a game. Yeah, we what, what I need to do is go down to Mexico yeah, and PJ. go watch like the Aguilas the, of... Uh, Mexicali? Yeah, Mexicali. Mexicali. I think uh, TJ also has a team. Yeah, Tijuana, yeah, yeah, Tijuana has a team. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, the hitting in, in, in the winter leagues, um, to get back to it, you, you want him to hit that pitch. You know, the, the middle cut fastball. If he doesn't hit it out, you're like, okay, there's a problem there. Or maybe he's not paying attention enough. So but it, you want it, him to hit the pitches that are easy to hit. In honor of his birthday, Josh Purple Three M. Oh yeah. Put in he he posted on Twitter a whole bunch of videos of Tatis home runs and great plays. Mm. And watching all those home runs, what stood out to me was that they were all pitches that were belt high, middle in. That that's that's his spot. Yeah. So that also tells me that once he comes up the major league pitchers are going to get a book on him real quick and they're going to start throwing him a bunch of junk away. Yeah. So they're not going to give him that fastball that's belt high on the inside part of the plate that they can just d- demolish. Absolutely. But he'll get those chances when those happen, but he has to get to that point. Yeah, you got to learn the patience to get there. Um, moving on, Francisco Mejia, who hasn't appeared in the playoffs since going two for eight in the first two games, um, he's, I think he's done. And that's something that I think Preller said uh during the during the during the winter meetings is how you know how much are you gonna let those guys play, and it was we're gonna judge it on a game to game basis or a t- you know player to player basis. Where someone like Fernando Tatis who's coming back from injury, you mm-hmm. want to give him as many at bats, let him play as as long as as possible. Someone like Mejia who's already caught, you know, a full season and then went and played winter ball. You want to give your catchers that rest. So I wouldn't be surprised if we don't hear from him again. Well, we also don't know anything about what's going on health-wise for right. these guys because it's the off-season. They're not required to divulge any information. So if something's up, um, yeah, you know, like they uh, they shut Rios down and they had to say something because right <laughs> because they they're on the major league roster. They're a known you know they're a big deal and people are going to say, well, how come he was pulled? Right, because well he's. A- now, Luis Torrens, you've got him on the list here. He had a really nice season. Let's see. I've got his stat line here. Let me find it. He hit 325 with a 345 on base and a 398 slugging. So kind of like what we saw earlier, a whole, not a whole lot of power above the average, but I love that he's batting for average. Yep. Didn't draw many walks, but his strikeout rate's only 14.5%. So I don't know. I, you want to see the guy draw some more walks. Right. Not striking out a ton. You got Esteban Carroza on here, hitting 255. I don't have him on my list for some reason. Yeah, he had six doubles, a triple, six homers, 18 RBIs, 22 runs scored in 32 games. He also competed in the Arizona Fall League. He had a 422 on base and a 520 for uh, Los Mokis uh, for a 942 OPS. The guy that's impressed me is Michael Geddes. Yeah. So he went down to, to Australia 
and he's just absolutely mashed. So he's played in 28 games now, hitting 307, 398, 604. He's hit six home runs already, and granted, two of those came in one game. Um, but the on-base percentage, he's drawn walks at a 9% rate. He's still striking out 30% of the time. But I, we're hoping that he goes down there and kind of finds something like Buddy Reed did a year ago. Right. Something to transform his game and then bring that back and, and find a groove. He made it through the Rule 5 draft. Obviously, nobody saw a need to take a risk on him. Right. What did you do? I shut my microphone off. You just turned off. Yep, so the uh, microphone holder is no longer holding the microphone. <laughs> All right, technical difficulties new, right there. New technology again. Yeah. Hey, just, just bear with us here. Um, right, So, and he got really hot in the very beginning of the, you know, the first two weeks of, of the Australian League. He was just tearing it up. That's when he hit the two home runs. Um, but who, he's continued that success. Yeah. Um, and another guy on the list that you don't have down there, Mike, uh, Edward Olivares. Uh, he's in... Uh, Venezuela, and he's hitting 340 with a 404 on base, uh, slugging 479. 20, 20% strikeout rate, 7% walk rate. So again, not walking a ton. He's walking better than half these guys, but the 20% strikeout rate is not awful, I guess. It's not awful, but it's another indicative that he didn't get picked up on the Rule 5 as well. Yeah. He was also a Rule 5 eligible. Well, no, no. He was, they added him to the roster. He's on the 40 man now. Did he? Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, so we might see him if there's a couple of injuries. He might get a – or he would at least get a cup of coffee in September. That would be nice to see. Uh, you know who I liked is the Aldemar Burgess. Yeah? He uh, – it was really quiet in Tri-City. He was really quiet in, in Fort Wayne. Uh, he's at 276 in Puerto Rico with a 321 on base. Uh, just he, – he really – another, another player that just poured it on right in the beginning and is you know, kind of falling back to earth now. But – he didn't hit that all that well for, for Fort Wayne. Uh, he didn't hit all that well for, for Tri-Cities. But he seems to be getting some of that love in Puerto Rico. Well, so. what I like about what he's doing now, he's got the lowest strikeout rate out of all of these guys playing winter ball. He's only struck out 12% of the time. So he's putting the ball in play. Maybe that's something that they told him to work. But there's, there's a, a phrase that they say, and it's, it goes to the, the foreign players, that you don't walk off the island. Right. That you have to hit your way off the island. Right. So these guys, they learn to swing at everything. They learn to put everything in play. And then once they come to affiliated ball, then they've got to learn plate discipline. Because now you – and Mejia, you look at him, he's got immense plate coverage. I mean, anything he can reach, he can put in play. But you've got to learn how to dial that back so then you get a good pitch to hit. Because that's Ted yeah. Williams' first rule of hitting, get a good pitch to hit and yeah. then go from there. And he'll swing at anything. Yeah, yeah, but he shouldn't be. Right. Well, and, and so we that, saw what happened, though, because after he came up, yeah, he took off with you know, big home runs, the walk-off right. home run, and then nothing. He felt cold because he was swinging at everything. He didn't throw him a strike. Yeah. He threw him that back foot slider, and he's swinging right over it. Mm-hmm. Um, another, well, he's not swinging over it. He's putting it in play, but it's a weak grounder, and he's out. So another thing that we found today was uh, an article by Mike Rosenbaum from MILB. Uh, he has this uh, first installment of a new stat-based series examine 10 hitters who, based on specific batted ball data from our prospect stats tool, seem poised for more success in 2019. And in this list, number two was Austin Allen, Padres' number 25 uh, prospect at 30%. So what he was looking at was the batted ball profile, yeah. right? The launch angle, the direction, the velocity – 
and it's like a like a preventative or a, a predictive kind of a thing. Yeah. How well should he hit, and how well can you project that at the next level? Not necessarily what the stats were, but and and so I I like that because Austin Allen was also added to the forty man roster. Yeah, and he's a he's there's a lot there's a lot to like there with Austin. Everything he's everything they've asked him to do, he's done. Mm-hmm. And it's almost and I think I said this before in another another episode was like they keep going. Okay, so we need to do this. So he'd go out and do that. Okay, so we need to go do this. And he'd go out and do that. Kind of almost challenging him to, to fail almost in a way. And he just keeps getting better. It keeps crossing off all those boxes. Um, also, they have a spray chart here with, um, with all his batted balls, with doubles, home runs. A lot of right-handed, you know, right, a lot of right field home runs. But he had four opposite field uh, home runs. Really interesting stuff. So he had uh, a total... 22 home runs, 31 doubles, uh, a second straight year, and finished second in the circuit in slugging at 5.06. The exit velocities he posted in the Arizona Fall League confirmed that Allen hits the ball hard, and the 6'2 left-handed hitter has long shown that he can get his huge pull side power during games. Meanwhile, Allen's overall production, he was 290, 351, 5.06 hitter in 2018. Stands to improve if he can make gains against some same side pitching. So Austin Allen, his off-season workout partner is Francisco Lindor. Oh, that's right. Down they, in Florida, yeah? Yeah, they go and yeah. work with the same trainer. So he's got that kind of work ethic to, to really drive. So like you were saying, they want him to work on flexibility. They want him to work on agility because he's a big guy, and they say that you're not going to be able to frame the low pitch. Yeah. What about balls in the dirt? What about bunts, getting up and feeling a bunt? And he's worked his butt off to show that he can do those things. And he, does and he can hit. Right, and he can hit. <laughs> and he has a hit to him, which is so huge. we uh, we skipped over the pitchers. So we had all all hitters. I've got a, a couple of pitchers that I want to highlight here. Um, Gerardo Reyes pitched in Mexico, and he was he was done a while ago. Yeah, but he pitched eighteen innings across nineteen games. Didn't allow a run the whole time. Uh, WHIP, which is walks plus hits over innings pitched of .89, which is excellent. And batters only hit one fifty three against him. He had a fantastic off season. He was added to the roster to the 40-man roster. So he's a side armor who throws, who can touch 100 miles an hour. And he's, he's nasty. Um, but what I also like is that he was only walking three and a half batters per nine. So he, not only is he striking guys out, but he's working within the zone. Uh, Pedro Avila, uh, he's in Venezuela, and he's had an excellent season as well. It, across four games, 20, 20 innings, so four starts. He's got a .89 ERA. He's only walked 1.3 batters per nine while striking out over 11 per nine innings pitched. So he's crushing it. And then finally, there's a guy that the Padres added in November, a minor league free agent, um, Ryan Bollinger. He was in the Yankees system. They released him in the offseason. So they've added him. He he pitched in Arizona. had an excellent uh, time in Arizona. Uh, the 3.22 ERA isn't all that impressive, but the 2.4 walks per nine and the 13.4 strikeouts per nine, uh, that, that tells you right there that there's, there's talent right there's there. There's talent right there, and there's another project for our guy. So a minor league free agent who has an invite to spring training. He's not on the 40-man roster, but with a good, who knows, with a good spring, he could argue his way onto it. Well, even that, he can be kept in, down in AAA and then added later on. Yes. Death. Yeah, so that's why I like the addition of a guy like Esteban Caroz, that that allows them to let Aswahe walk away because yeah. now you've got a left-handed infielder. He can play a little bit of short. He can definitely play third. Hits for average. 
Hits for power. Hinton hits for power, and he's not on the 40-man. So bye-bye, Aswahe. Bye, and we talked about him first here with, with our guy, JP, Jason Panini. Yes, we did. <laughs> um, did you hear about the uh, Clayton Richard trade? I did, and I have it down in our episode. Yeah, so that that was a that was one that was kind of a surprise because he was designated for assignment, and I looked at that and went, "Why are they designating Clayton Clayton Richards for assignment when they've got Jose Perella and these other guys?" Yeah. Well, I wonder if they may have had this trade in the works already. So they traded, they acquired Connor Panis. I'm not sure if I'm uh, yeah, pronouncing Panis. Panis. Yeah, um, he's 25 year old. He'll be playing his 20 age 26 season next year. Had a really good year in 2017. Fell off last year. Yeah. The interesting thing to me, he's from Toronto, and they acquired him from the Blue Jays. Okay. And so now you've got three guys in the Padres minor league system that all might be in in El Paso this year that are all from the Toronto area in Josh Naylor, Cal Quantrill, and now Connor Panis. Panis. And then Edward Oliveras came over in the... In this Larte trade. Yeah, but he's from Venezuela originally. But no, but, yeah, but he's from the Blue Jays he's organization. He's from the Blue Jays organization. Yeah. yeah, but there's something about that area scout in uh, <laughs> whoever's working the Toronto area. Uh, it definitely is pulling some guys. God, talking in Toronto area, absolutely. So I'm curious where he's going to fit, though, because he, he was in, I think, advanced single A last year. And they've got him, they added him to the El Paso roster, just because okay. that's how it works in the offseason. They have to occupy a spot on yeah. a roster somewhere. But I'd be surprised if they're going to put him in El Paso to start the season. And plus, he's a first base, corner outfielder, DH kind of a guy. And you've already got Naylor, who's probably going to – I don't Do see why he would not things. be in El Paso. Yeah. Well, in another list that I saw, it was the, uh, the all-team – I don't have this written down, but I remember the tweet from MILB. Uh, it was the all-team uh, Padres minor league system, and they gave Josh Naylor the left field. Yeah, I saw that. Um, which I thought was very interesting. And, you know, let's see, hope in this, this offseason that he, you know, can lose the weight and keep the strength. Um, and, you know, he's very athletic. He runs really, I think he runs really well. I know he jiggles when he runs, but he runs fast. And I think if he loses a little bit of weight, that, that, that athleticism can really shine through and then he can get a little bit better. Yeah, I, they say that his reads got better as the season went by. His throws got better once he was, you know, learning the angles and all that mm -hmm. stuff. I still, I think they're kind of grasping at straws trying to find a position for him. I, yeah. I, maybe he proved that he can play first base. Maybe they wanted to show that he can play a little bit of outfield and make him a, a trade target. Right, and he's blocked because of Hosmer. Uh-huh. Yes, I, I, don't, I don't see a path for him. I, I like the guy. I've, I've met him. He's nice. He seems like a nice kid. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, you want to see people do well. But at the same time, if they wind up flipping him in a deal that helps fix a, a, a hole on the major league roster, I guess maybe that's where that value comes in. Absolutely. So that's about all we have here. Let's, uh, let's take a break here. We'll come back with Gabe Moser. All right. Moser was drafted in the 27th round, but don't sleep on the 6'4 righty. Commanding four pitches, fastball, slider, curveball, and a splitter, and not possessing an upper 90s fastball, Gabe relies on a signature curveball that has substantial depth in action to keep hitters off balance. To the tune of 59 strikeouts in 42 innings and a 38% K rate in Fort Wayne. Gabe, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Good to be on. Oh, it's, this sounds it so much better. We sound much more professional than we really are. Um, <laughs> So let me just say this, and we'll get this. Uh, we'll get the interview underway. A lot of the information I have here came from uh, the interview that came from Lance Browskowski. Did you read that? Mm -hmm. 
Yes, I did. Okay, so hear that, Lance? He did read the interview, and uh, he is appreciative <laughs> of the coverage. <laughs> yes, and you're, very much. And also your dad chipped in with some of the info, too. So uh, we really appreciate him uh, giving us a little bit of insight into you and a little background. So um, so you grew up in Allentown. Were you, uh, you grew up a Red Sox fan. Yes, yes, I grew up a Red Sox fan. How did that happen? Uh, my dad, I mean, he put he ingrained it in me from early. I mean, I grew up watching them, so I mean, I just like their style of play, and I just I really grew up watching them. So you know, it's, so your your dad's a Red Sox fan. Yes, yes, yeah, we both are. Yep. Fantastic. So, uh, did he did your dad get you into playing baseball? Yeah, my dad and my mom. I mean, my mom was outside with me hitting throwing me pitches and I was hitting when I was like five or so. So, I mean, they both like really uh, helped me. So, and your dad told us you, you asked for catcher's gear at five years old. That's yeah. Pretty advanced. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know why I just really like catching. <laughs> well, and then you went into high school being a catcher and a pitcher. Yep. Yep. I was both. Yep. That, that's so does that mean that you're still the, are you the emergency catcher? <laughs> yeah, I wish. <laughs> I wish. Whatever it takes to get to the bigs, whatever it takes to help the team win, I'm sure you're in for it. Exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about your college days. Your senior year of college, you had six complete games. I mean, that's unheard of. Yeah, I mean, it's um for our conference, we only play seven inning games because we play four games on the weekend. Okay. So I throw seven. I would throw seven innings, and that'd be considered the complete game. So, I mean, it's a little deceptive, but I mean, no, it's not. Even to make baseball. So, at what point, at what point did uh, obviously you haven't made any starts as a professional? Um, mm-hmm. Did the Padres tell you right away that they planned on on using you as a reliever? How does that transition happen? Um, they told me they were going to use me as a, a reliever, like a long release kind of guy. So. Um, sticking to the bullpen and uh, and throwing longer innings just in case like a starter couldn't go or they get injured or something like that. So, so I have it down as you had at least one start or one game you pitched like five innings. Yeah, yep, yep. That was in uh, I think Fort Wayne. It was in. That's where Lance saw you pitch, and he that's when he yeah. wrote the article. He fell in love with you. Yeah, <laughs> appreciate that. <laughs> appreciate that. Um, so, for the record, he pitched the fourth through eight innings. Okay, there, there it is. Yeah, he said it was a start, but I think he might have got to the game late. Uh, <laughs> so, there's a story around you throwing a no hitter in college. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you tell us that story? It's a really good story. Yeah. So, um, my aunt passed away um, about I don't know a, a week before this this game. And we just had the funeral before the day before this uh, this game. And um, at the funeral, her her daughter, so my um, cousin, um, said, "You're going to throw a no hitter tomorrow." And what do you know? The next day, I go out and I throw a no hitter. Um, so I mean, it was really emotional. It was a very emotional um, start and. A performance by me and my family so i mean uh it was uh and you were given a little keepsake there i think i i read oh i had a coin in my back pocket um with her initials and a guardian angel engraved in it wow that's awesome 
Did, did, yeah. did you know all along that you were throwing a no-hitter, or did you kind of just get lost in the process? Uh, I got lost in the process. Around the fifth inning or so, Like I, I kind of looked at the scoreboard, and I was like, oh, wait, oh, yeah, there's no hits on there. <laughs> and no one's talking to me. What's up with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one, no one talked to me. Usually people talk to me, but no one talked to me. <laughs> well, hey, we know what you throw. So uh, tell, the, tell the listeners uh, what pitches you do throw, uh, your velocity. Uh, my velocity? Uh, my velocity is around 90, 92, 93. Um, so... Uh, two seam, um, two seam slider curve, and then a split. So, are are your grips pretty traditional, or do you do anything funky with any of them? Um, for my curveball, I actually hold my fin- my pointer finger up in the air, so I only really pitch with one- I only throw it with one finger. So it's kind of like a spike curve ball, only without the you pull the spike off. Yeah, or without the spike, it's literally like straight up in the air. Did you so. teach you that, or did you pick that up somewhere else? Uh, he actually taught me that. I hate to give credit to him, but he actually taught me that. <laughs> if it works, why why not? I know. But he, I know. I want a percentage of that signing bonus for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so you throw a split? Do you do? I mean, you throw that consistently, or the, the splitter? Uh, the, for me, the splitter is like an un. It's not used enough, and I, and I think it should be used a lot more. Uh, one of our pitchers on the Padres has a splitter. And it's an out pitch. Um, are you, yeah. you going to help develop that pitch? Or are you just going to have that in your repertoire as a show me? Um, it's more of an out pitch for me as well. But um, I throw it a lot to, to lefties because it kind of it kind of breaks down in a way to lefties. So I kind of use it like a changeup ish. But it's more of an out pitch because it moves it moves a little more than a changeup. So. So you come from a cold weather college. That yeah. doesn't have its disadvantages. And God, that just must. Must be horrible trying to pitch in cold weather. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about that. What, what what does it take for you guys to get warmed up? What are you guys doing <laughs> in the bullpen when you're just hanging out? I, I just. I mean, your feet just go numb <laughs> during the game. <laughs> your feet are numb. It's snowing out. I mean, we we had snow delays before. I mean, it's it's not fun. But you're you're constantly trying to move around, trying to stay warm. I mean, it's so hard. I mean. There's boxes and boxes of hand warmers and toe warmers around, just trying to stay warm. But uh, I mean, it, it's it's definitely harder harder to get warm for Do you sure. Find that it changes your pitch selection based because of you can't get the same grip on the ball. You don't have the same tack, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, there's some ups and downs to it, but um, I mean. You can obviously use the cold to your advantage as well as a pitcher. I mean, because hitters hate hitting in cold weather. So, so how about conditioning? I mean, we live in a warm, warm season. You, know, mm-hmm. you can play all year round, and that's what you got. Traveling teams and these kids wind up pitching every day all year long. You, obviously, you can't do that. A lot of your work is done indoors. How does that? How does that change from you versus the guys that you've you know worked with that are year round guys? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a disadvantage to us because, I mean, we're limited to how far we can throw. So say you like to long toss, we're only limited to to so far, whatever our indoor capacity is. But, I mean, but in college, our coach was uh, our coach was a little crazy. So if it wasn't if it wasn't raining or there wasn't snow on the ground, we were outside. So, I mean, it it was uh, it it definitely helped me to be thankful for the warm weather. There's obviously disadvantages to it, but I mean, we we learned to get through it. So, did, did you play any other sports growing up? 
I played a lot of sports growing up. Uh, growing up, I played uh, lacrosse, uh, ice hockey, basketball, football, um, obviously baseball. So all those in high school? No, no, not in high school. No. In high school, did you play any other sport other than baseball? Uh, no, I didn't. Nope, I just focused on baseball. But I, they begged me to come out for football, but I, I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm born and raised here in San Diego, so I'm allergic to snow by birthright. <laughs> so cold weather for us is like below 60. It's just like, yeah, yeah. I'm calling in sick to work. It's not going to happen. Hey, um, you have a fantastic story on getting drafted and finding out about that. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell us that story. So me and my family were, were just sitting here and then we decided to go outside because I don't know, there was, we were just anticipating it, but we didn't want to just watch the whole time. So we went outside and uh, my teammate called and said, Oh, I'm going to get this yet. The Mariners called and said, I'm going to get drafted in 27th round by them. So I was like, Oh, okay, well we'll go in and watch it. And the Padres were seven picks, seven picks before them. And what do you know? My name pops up and I, I, never, I didn't know. I had no idea. They didn't call me or anything. And I just saw it and it was, it was, it was a relief to be honest, but yeah. And that's fan- And your whole family was there just watching your, your teammate. Yep. Oh yep. We were all there to see his name and, and there my name pops up. <laughs> oh, that is, that is freaking cool. So then what, so then after getting drafted, did, did, did they call you then or did you do like, Text them like, hey, yeah. uh, he gets drafted. Yeah, yeah. The the area guy would call me, and it was like, I, I assume you saw your your uh, your name because I, I was all excited and stuff. Like he, he he could hear on the phone that I was all excited. So yeah. So do you did you know the scout before that? Did had they actively scouted you, or was it a total surprise out of the blue? Well, I saw I saw him at a scout or at a game when we were um, in the conference playoffs, and then I got invited to one of their pre-draft workouts, and then um, I talked to him further from there. So, towards the end of the year, I started noticing that he was he was showing up so and talking to him. So, so pitching. So, so now that you're pitching in you know in summertime in in Fort Wayne, do you see your stuff change once it gets warmer? Yeah, um, I think I, I got a little more life on it, and it moves a little bit more um, because I can get that that grip that and feel it come off my fingertips. So, yeah, I think I, I instead of not feeling my fingers at all, I, I could feel it a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm more. Um, I don't know how to describe it. I'm more. I, I, I'm more aggressive to the strike zone. Okay. I'll say that. All right. Yeah. Um, so what do you, what else do you do? What, what do you do to escape from baseball? I play, I do play a lot of Fortnite. Another I, I Fortnite or I hate to say it. I do play a lot of Fortnite. What? Uh, so why do you say I hate to say it that I play video games? <laughs> Is there something just, you know about our organization that's happened that perhaps you? No, just cause I mean, I, there's probably better things I could do with my life than play, sit and stare at a TV screen for hours. <laughs> so we we discussed this last podcast, and uh, you know, one of the players that was on the Padres last year uh, has a gaming has a gaming. He's the owner of a gaming team. Yeah. Team, um, mm-hmm. and, they play, and they play Fortnite. And 
you know, we don't have a problem with like players. You guys have a lot of downtime in between games. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of time in between, you know, in between starts and you got to do something. And so, mm-hmm. you know, back in the day, it would be, you know, go out and get drunk or just, I don't know, sit around and chase women. But now you guys, you guys play video games and that's not so bad. I mean, you could be, yeah. you could be watching a little more pitching ninja. That, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it's a it's an escape. It's an escape from the game. Mentally, uh, get back in it. So, so in the off season, what's what's your plan right now? You're working out. You're not playing. You're not playing winter ball. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, are you working with camps? Do you, do you get a side job? What what are you doing in the off season? I actually uh, I work for UPS. So I uh, I'm a supervisor for, at UPS, and I. Uh, I watch them fill the trucks with packages. <laughs> well, congratulations for the promotion to supervisor. Thank you. I actually applied just for the basic package handling job, and they said uh, you're going to be a supervisor. So I mean, that was that was kind of cool. So <laughs> if if the world found out that you blew out your elbow chucking a package somewhere, that would be bad. <laughs> yeah, that that would be a good idea. <laughs> so um. But, but how about the training side of it? Do you have a, a a trainer that you work with? Is there a facility, a group that you yeah. work with, or is it just at home? Yeah, I do. I go to um, it's called Made Strength. I mean, I've been going to him for for since high school, and um, I mean, he's been working with me for so long, and I mean, he knows me, and I know him, and it just works out. Did the team give you any particular guidance on things to work on, whether it's straight strengthening a certain part of your body, flexibility, or are you working on any any pitching related activities? I mean, for me, I'm j- I just got to put on weight. I mean, I'm I'm a little on the skinnier side, you could say, <laughs> but I mean, uh, just getting putting on weight and putting on like effective weight um, and efficient weight, so. Yes, I mean that's my biggest thing. Six four and one hundred seventy nine pounds, but but uh, baseball reference has you down. Yeah, I'm like uh, one eighty five right now. So, is there a goal? I'd like to get one one ninety two hundred around there. So that's by the time you get to camp. Yeah, what, yeah. Uh, what another <laughs> month and a half or so for that, right? We're shooting for that one ninety right now. Okay. Five more pounds, yeah. I, I wish I could give you a few. I just got married last night <laughs> and I had to squeeze into my suit. <laughs> yeah, the holidays definitely helped on putting on weight. I'll uh, tell you that. <laughs> see, but at our age and particularly at my age, it doesn't work well. Like eating candy for breakfast isn't a good kind of weight you want to put on and at, at yeah. it, it just doesn't uh it doesn't come off as easy. Uh, <laughs> So let's get into the lightning round. We got a little lightning round here for you. Um, oh boy, Chipotle or Chick Fil A? Chick Fil A. Zach Brown or Willie Nelson? Zach Brown. Most played song in your playlist? Oh boy, uh, "Confession" by Florida Georgia Line. Okay, all right. Uh, most embarrassing song in your playlist? Uh. <sighs> Uh, Maybe something from your dad's time. <laughs> um, I know there's some Taylor Swift in there somewhere. Oh yeah, there is. There is some Taylor Swift for sure. <laughs> there's nothing. Her new, stuff, her, her new stuff's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, pancakes or waffles? Uh, waffles. 
Well, I had this because I thought you were going to be a Phillies fan, but you know the the Phillies fanatic or that orange crazy looking mascot for the Flyers. I like the Flyers one because he looks crazy. <laughs> he looks like he looks like Red Turn Two from uh, from the Dodgers. What's his name? Oh, oh, Justin Turner. Yeah, Justin Turner. Oh uh, yeah, you <laughs> uh, <I> see that? <laughs> well, you know, I also had had down here the best place to get a cheesesteak. Uh, Pat Sardino's. Pat Sardino's. Okay. Well, yeah, Allentown's not right in Philadelphia, so yeah. It, what's like the local cuisine there? Uh, a lot of bar food. Okay. Uh, a lot of bar food. That's yeah. Right. So, do you have yeah. any, uh, any superstitions? Is there anything in your in your daily routine or or things that happen during the game that 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 catch your attention? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm super 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 superstitious. Um. Yeah, I mean, really bad. <laughs> um, what are some of the things that trigger you? Um, the way I jump over the line to go on the field, I have to jump with my right foot and land on my left foot, and then every I go up to the mound and I swipe the dirt, and I have to start with my right foot and I have to end with my right foot, and then I have to like when I finish my last swipe, I have to like do a little turnaround. <laughs> And then I wipe the rubber off. <laughs> I'm, su- I'm super superstitious. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. That, those are the, you say that's so superstitious. I don't think anybody would notice that if they were just watching. Uh-uh. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's all in your head. Uh, yeah. So I don't know how much attention you paid to the major league team this year, but um, we have Adam Simber that got traded mm-hmm. to the Indians midseason, and he had some yeah. really particular things about his mechanic. And it, yeah. with him, it looked really odd, but there was a functional reason for it. Mm-hmm. You're, it sounds like you're kind of the opposite, where what you have going on looks really ordinary, but buried deep down in there, there's some real stuff going on. Yeah, because if I start with my left foot, I just feel all out of sync and all out of whack. <laughs> I, I hear there's a thing about numbers, that you don't like odd numbers. Oh, I hate odd numbers. When when people are turning the channel, and or like the volume, and it's going up, and it's at an odd number, I need to change it to an even number. I hate. Has that been a problem with uniforms? Actually, I had 21 this year, but but my girlfriend wore 21 for basketball, so I got it. It was all right. Okay. <laughs> and there's the yeah. There's the funkiness of that. It, it worked yeah. out well for you, I guess. I mean, the results uh, are pretty darn good this year. Yeah. <laughs> so if yeah, you're all into bad. spring training and they give you like 93, are, are you going to stand there and try to try to trade with somebody? Uh, maybe, maybe. I mean, that's a tough number. 93, that's pretty tough. <laughs> maybe 83 because there's one even number, but 93, two odd numbers. <laughs> oh, that's that's but funny. I asked that because in spring training, usually the guys with the least tenure get the highest numbers. Yeah, yeah. Are you, do you yeah. know if you're going to be going to minor league spring training this year? Uh, I'm, I'm assume so. Yes. Well, I certainly I'm, hope so. Cause we were just talking yeah. about this. We're both going yeah. to Peoria. We're going to be there the second weekend of March. So we hope nice. to see you there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So real quick, when do you guys, uh, when do you report? When do the minor league guys report? I'm not sure. We haven't been told yet. Going out this- oh, well, yeah, I go out, I go out for a strength camp next weekend. So, okay. I'm there for two weeks. Have you spent the whole off season in in uh, Pennsylvania? I was in um, Peoria for the 
end of October, beginning of November until around Thanksgiving ish. So you're like, don't, don't, I don't want to go home. Come on, it's freaking nice here. Pretty nice there, yeah. <laughs> um, I know. Well, well, Gabe, we really appreciate you coming on and uh, taking some time and uh, give us a chance to meet your dad. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on, bud. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you very much. All right. That was cool. I want to know if we had more fun with that or if Gabe had more fun. And the great thing about doing the FaceTime is you get to see the reaction. You get more. It's more of intimate, more. It's more can, personal kind of a thing. Yeah. More personable. Um, and he was fantastic. His dad talked to us a little bit. So the interview, you know, I, I reached out to his dad a couple. Uh, well, actually, when we first got him, I reached out to him. And then he's like, when you get closer, let me know. Um, and so I reached out to him today or the, a couple of days ago. And he gave me a bunch of stuff to talk to, to, uh, to Gabe about. The, the story about his no-hitter was was huge. That was very cool. Um, it, that was great. And then... That made know, me think about that story about the little kid laying on the on the, in the hospital bed and Babe Ruth comes in and says, I'll hit a home run for you tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> I can't. You know, I haven't, I haven't lost... Uh, I lost a mom. I, I haven't lost an aunt. You know, when I was growing up, none of the, I, I didn't lose anyone until I lost my mom when I was in my 40s. Well, but so I didn't they, have that... God, I didn't have that early loss. I don't know. To have the, the funeral and then the next day have to go out and pitch. Yeah. And I like that he had the, the coin um, in his pocket, like a good luck charm. Which turned us into the uh, the more of his superstitions were great. Well, that's, I'm sorry. His, were... his dad tipped me off to the odd numbers. Oh. And so I, I had to work toward that. Well, and I can appreciate that, uh, Craig, if you're listening to this, um, you know, because he, he didn't want to give us anything too embarrassing. I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't want like too embarrassing stuff, but give me some stuff. Yeah. Uh, and he gave us plenty. He gave us plenty. But, you know, getting the number stuff, once he felt comfortable, once he saw us interview, mm-hmm. you know, that we were, you know, that we were uh, at least we're going to be respectful. Yeah. Uh, then he gave us some more information. And he was like, no, it has to be. Then he was given number 21, I think, this year. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, but my girlfriend, she played basketball, and her number was 21, so that was like, okay. It was like a, a connection. <laughs> um, I really want to see what number he's wearing in spring training. Yeah, oh, he's going to – I can't wait. And if, if he's like, wearing an odd number, I'm going to give him a hard time like for it. like 33. Yeah. Hey, number 33. No, he's going to get a 90-something. All, all those minor league guys, they get you know high 90s and 80s. But, but anyway. I, and I think that changes – once the big league camp breaks camp, I think they get all new numbers. I think they get the true numbers. Oh, they probably do. Once their once their big league camp breaks camp. Yeah, because I noticed that. I noticed uh, last last time we went to spring training, there were players that had numbers that were like, oh, he's number ninety six, fantastic. Then you see him again, mm-hmm. and it's like number twenty four. Well, and they'll even repeat the numbers. You'll you'll look out there. There's two number ninety fours out right. there, and you've got your sheet, and you're like, wait, which one is that? Exactly. So, uh, and we're looking forward to seeing him again when we go out to spring training uh, in March or so. Um, that's about it. Great interview. So, coming up, we have um, Jack Sawinski. Talk to Jack Sawinski. He's going to mm-hmm. come on the podcast. Uh, talk to uh, Ty France. Ty France, I think, is in Hawaii uh, all this week, or at least up to next week. He said we can't talk to him until after the ninth. That's fine. I can wait. Yeah, I can wait too. Uh, let Maybe him. We have... should get John Conniff on the hook. We should get John Conniff on the hook. Uh, we're going to get John Conniff on the hook here as well. You know, I want to get John Conniff's tips on when he goes to spring training, when he goes to Lake Elsinore, when he goes to these, where does he go and how does he 
you know, what are the best viewing angles? What are the best places to eat? What do you, you know, right. the, the travel tips? Asking, you know, like Kevin Charity, you know, he's just going to tell us, go to the KFC buffet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I, the one time that we didn't sit up in the press box for the Lake Elsinore game, it was kind of cool because it was cold. Uh-huh. Um, but I wanted to be behind the dish. So I think next time that we go, uh, and you know, if we talk to players, but I want to sit behind the dish and get video and be closer to the action and not be so separated uh, up in the press box. But it was kind of cool to just be up in the press box and they have sandwiches and it's, you know, it's for me, it's free food. So I, well, If you're there to write a story and to do a recap of the game, right. you're keeping score, then you've got the nice angle, you've got right. a place where you can set your stuff up, right. you've got the official score right there and all of that. So it's, it's different if you're writing something. Yeah. Uh, but if you're just there to record and you take video, take audio, then you don't have to be tied to the press box. But yeah. there is some free grub. They got some sodas and some sandwiches up there. Well, maybe that's what we'll do next time. Some popcorn. Time yeah, run there. up there, grab some popcorn and a soda, and then go back down behind the plate. Yeah, and then just replenish in between innings. <laughs> now we sound like a couple of mooches. Oh, I, hey, it's, I'm sorry. It's free food. And uh, anyone that is uh, anyone will know that I love free food. That's the best kind of food. Oh, my God. So that's all we got, folks. Uh, we really appreciate you uh, listening. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at SD Donovan. And I am Roy at Zippy underscore TMS. And Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy Merry Christmas. Happy birthday, Fernando Tatis happy Jr. Happy birthday, Merry Christmas, Fernando. Fernando, happy birthday. When you talk like this, you talk like this, and that's how you talk when you talk like this.